Ivanhoe! Welcome to Rum Doings Podcast 172. Email us podcast at rumdoings.com and follow us at Rum Doings on Twitter where you can tell us witty things. I doubt it. <laughs> so do I. I was being hopeful. I was being very hopeful, but we know the reality of our situation. Well, I was, was thinking about this. Okay. Someone yeah. someone emailed and they said, oh, I've, I finally have a reason to actually email you. And I think people always think they need to wait until there's a really good reason. And there's the other thing, which is how many podcasts do you listen to that you've emailed? Indeed. And you said yes. that before. I've, I've never emailed a podcast ever. And it would feel almost weird and it, intrusive to do so. Only, only weirdos email podcasts. And since only weirdos listen to our podcast, everybody should be emailing We should be us. inundated. That's a syllogism, yes. Uh. Can you? So all you weirdos, you should be emailing us. Otherwise, you're not true to your calling. <laughs> That's right. There'll John, be, I've, I've forwarded... weirdo badge taken away. We did get a few um, mails to uh, Podcast Rum doing something, yes. and I forwarded them to you, but I wondered whether you, they were still going directly into no, your No, I seem to packet. be getting them now. You seem, they seem to be arriving, so that's good. Okay. Good news, everybody. Great news. And uh, some other great news is today's topic. Oh, yes. Considering all the cracks, isn't it now time to admit that paving stones are a noble failure which should be abandoned? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good. Good. Okay, so you're going to be a daddy in how many weeks now? Four whole weeks. So it could be born now and it'll probably be all right. It's uh, this coming Saturday, he cannot be considered premature. No, he loses his minority PC get-to-the-front-of-the-line-at-Disneyland status. That's right. Yeah. I do hope, I don't want him to come before, because then we have to have all the hassle of hospital stays, and they'll instantly put him on formula and all sorts of crap. Exactly. So just, you know, just tell Laura to cross her legs. Exactly. And that'll be fine. But it's been, it's been remarkably smooth here too, for... Yes, very, it's been very, it's been very good. I mean, getting, I'd say that we had our non-smooth patch in the two years of trying to get pregnant beforehand... Yeah, but don't tempt fate, you know. Labour might be a fun, fun roller coaster as oh, well. Oh no, it's so. going to be it's going to be two and a half hours. Oh, that's right, and it'll be just like mild stomach cramp, and then it'll just come out. It'll be like uh, it'll be like pushing a cucumber through a greased hole. That's fine. Good. Yeah. So, so you finished learning, and you know how to be a birth partner now. I know how to be a daddy now. Oh, you do good. So you know what not to put it in the microwave to dry it after a bath. Well, unless you're in a hurry. Well, yes, obviously, but good good daddies put them in the fan oven because then it makes them crispier. I learned on Bake Off that it's you can just microwave stuff to make it go faster, so... <laughs> Come on, baby, I want you to learn how to... You'll learn your first word. I'm putting yep. you in on high for microwave. 30 seconds. <laughs> That's been brilliant. Also, uh, I'm going to te- finally put into test my theory that the reason babies are such idiots is because people treat them like idiots. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm going to... So people are like, Who's here with you? Could you be the baby? It's like, no wonder they can't speak. All they hear is gibberish. Oh, I'm going to address my bit. Hello, son. Well, you say that funnily. I've always tried to speak to... Uh, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've always tried to speak to Judith as if she were a person. Have you yes. noticed? Well, I want to um, try to do the same. I don't think I'm going to succeed because I already talked to the bump like it's an idiot. No, but the thing that you do is there is a subtle, well, and perhaps a not so subtle difference between um, and going, hello, son, nice to see you today. I wonder whether you could tell me what you think of the uh, referendum. Yes. Um, the, the middle ground is you do emphasize certain things and make certain sounds more elongated so that their ears can be attuned to them. But you don't just go, 
But I think at there's the a same middle time, ground. there is a lot of evidence that shows that making noises is very helpful for their verbal development. It is. They uh, attempt to mimic them, disappointingly. But that's what I say. But that's what I say. I think you can elongate and exaggerate the speech that you use without actually having to turn it into a pile of mongy nonsense. I think so. Okay, well, I'll do that then. I'll just go, how did you think of the referendum then? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the baby will think, I don't care if he calls it civic nationalism. It's still nationalism. And I'm very glad it didn't overtake the day. <laughs> Good. Yes. I'm glad I'm having a civic minded baby. Poor old Reverend Stu. I do feel bad for him because he worked extraordinarily hard and was very, very good at what he did. No, and and the thing is, he was saying some very stupid things on the day. And I said, let's just leave him because obviously it must be very emotionally. Of course you say emotional things on the day. He was saying the most idiotic things like you wished all poor people died or something. He did. He He said that he wished all poor people died and that he said he hates all blacks, foreigners and gays. And if, you do, if you're not wearing um, a kilt, you might as well have your legs chopped off. That's right. And he also was came out in support of fe- female genital mutilation. Yeah. And all, all music needs to be bagpipe music or yep. shut up. That's right. <laughs> his true, his true colours, which are tartan, came out. <laughs> there we are. So that, was, that was fun. So um, you have got everything prepared for being a daddy now, so it's just waiting. Yep. The, I've got the drawer lined with newspaper. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And um, I put straw down. Any final uh, questions? Sorry? Any final questions? Any final questions about what, about which bit? About how to make it? Where do babies come from? Jesus. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's sorted. (laughs) Now you, now you, now you know, now you know. Okay. Well, that, that clears up a lot of the confusion I had left. Some people on, uh, I, I mentioned on Twitter that, uh, do you know, Judy started school? School. Ridiculous. And, um, (laughs) And we were told very, well, last year, well, not last year, at the beginning, last academic year, beginning of this year, we went to her school and the head teacher saw us all and so on. And they, and she was boasting about how, you know, Nick Clegg's free school lunch program um, and the school had worked very hard to ensure that all the meat that was provided was organic, free range, good quality meat and so forth. And she was very proud of that. A Muslim gentleman in the... I'm oh, sorry, this does sound like a bloody Daily Mail. Article, you are you is, are basically a massive racist. Yeah, but this is what happened. Muslim gentleman in the audience said, uh, excuse me, but is the meat halal? And the teacher said, I'm really sorry, but it's actually very difficult to get uh, free-range, organic, good quality halal meat in the belt that we needed. It's just, it's, it's really tough. And we looked at it, but I understand your concern. But you can bring in packed lunch, or you can have the vegetarian option, which of course is compatible with halal. And he got kind of, kind of angry and said, that's, that's not good enough. And the headmistress was very simpering and said she looked to see what she could do. Uh, now that you'd have started, we went to what they, this is, remember these are four-year-olds. Mm. We, were asked, we were asked to attend the curriculum meeting. Yes. And we attended the curriculum meeting and the teacher, one of the things they boasted about at the curriculum meeting was, good news, all meat is now halal. So I said, oh, that's very interesting. So I spoke to her afterwards. Where did you manage to, uh, how did you manage to get um, source, good quality, uh, organic, free range? Halal? Oh, no, it's just factory farm uh, bulk stuff now. But we thought that this was more important. So Judith's getting packed lunch now. Right. Uh, uh, not only because of that, but basically, 
the because you hate the Muslims, due to well, yes, a packed bunch. Yeah, well, obviously. And, and you know what? Do you know? Do you know who is actually giving halal meat is, is very unfair to um, Sikhs because oh, right. Sikh, because Sikhs are not allowed to eat any food that's been consecrated. So effectively, the Sikhs right. can't eat the school meat. <laughs> that's this funny little puzzle game that you, you play. <laughs> um, but anyway, so so Judith, well, I mean, we're going, we're going. I was going to give her a packed lunch anyway because most they they also boast about how fat free their lunches oh, are, good. and there's piles of pasta and spaghetti and lots of sponge cakes for dessert and everything. And I thought, mm. well, I'll just I'll try and give her some variety every day. So one of the things I, I noticed, I didn't want her to feel left out of having treats, though. So one of the things I saw that they were offering in, because they give the school lunch menus, was there was this chocolate sponge with chocolate custard and chocolate sauce and whatever. So I thought, okay, what I'll do is I was going to, I made her this homemade chocolate mousse with 90% chocolate and I put raspberries in it and coconut cream and it actually it tasted really good um wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of sugar in it but putting in the cinnamon and uh the raspberries really worked and she loved it so I put it in her I put it in her lunchbox and little Tupperware so there's your pudding so when all the other little children are having their chocolate things you can have your chocolate thing as well got a letter back in the lunchbox saying um, we had to confiscate that item from her lunchbox because the school rules are that you're not allowed to bring in any chocolate items into packed lunch because we encourage a balanced diet. A balanced diet. <laughs> and I thought, well, right, this is 92% chocolate with coconut cream and uh, compared with this, the, 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 the sickly sweet chocolate sponge you were giving them in their main meal. Also, the teachers are handing out revels and Maltesers every day at the classroom door every time somebody has a birthday. And you're saying balanced diets. It's just there's these weird little inconsistencies that you have to put up. Another weird little inconsistency. Oh, hang on, say, hang on, back up, back up. Surely you've responded in some way to this situation. I haven't yet. Victoria suggests I write a letter. I would have thought so. just going in and saying, guys, look, this isn't, you know, this isn't sugar. This isn't chocolate. As you no. no, but also what, I, what I've thought. But, but how I, it doesn't, I, I'm not upset about that for that reason. I could say, look, if the school is saying we want to, we've got to have a blanket policy because we really want to encourage there to be less sugary junk around. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say, OK, I can understand that this could give the appearance of breaking their policy. And I don't want to. Um, I know that the subtlety is too much mm-hmm. uh, for certain people, so I'll be prepared to go with it. But the fact is, you're shoving this crap into the kids' faces left, right, and centre. The only place you seem to be offended by it is in a packed lunch. I was going to say, understand. what about the chocolate sponge and chocolate custard? And also all the chocolates and biscuits you give to them every day at the school, at the classroom door. And so we said, and so they said, for example, when she was there, there it's also a nut-free school, and they were giving out choc- they were giving out celebrations with nuts in them, which was a weird thing as well at the at the classroom door when somebody had a party. And I said, and I said, um, no, could, if you're giving out chocolate, that I said to the classroom assistant, just you know, just leave Judy. Yeah, we'll give her a treat when she gets home or whatever. I said we don't really want her to associate every time there's something to be celebrated. It has to be associated with a large sweet flavour. We thought that's not something that we want to emphasise 300 days a year if possible. And so the classroom assistant was giving out this chocolates and sweets and then Judy walks past and says, oh no Judy, you can't have any. Oh for God's sake. <laughs> exactly. So, And the thing is, I mean I don't want to be too indelicate but the shape of some of these teachers and classroom assistants is, shall we say, um, not sylphine. So there's a lot to be learned. Now, I don't want to be the troublesome one and make a fuss. Oh, yes, you do. 
but not to the degree that it affects her because you know teachers no, okay, can be fair. bullies yeah. uh, as you know so I'm thinking about the best way to do this and I think I'll just bring it up in a very rational way so I, 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 and I, what I'll do is I'll bring it up as a positive and say it's really good that you care about what the kids eat but I think there are some inconsistencies here and I'd like to discuss them and see what your opinion is you're going to be the dad who gets Maltesers banned from the classroom <laughs> no well, oh and here's another thing for the Daily Mail I said, you can bring in any chocolate, when the kid has a birthday, you can bring in any chocolates or sweets you want, um, uh, and then we'll give them out to the kids, but make sure you don't bring anything with gelatine, because um, our, our Muslim children will be upset, because it's not halal. Gosh, it's very complicated. It does get very complicated, but it, and, and I don't mind, another, oh, and uh, another thing is some of, some of her classmates, not in her class, but in the class next to her, four-year-olds wearing the full veils and mm-hmm. shawls and things like that, the full abiyas, the only thing that's not covered is their eyes, but pretty much everything else is covered, and, you know, Judy's beginning to ask about that, and I, I'm trying, to, I want to answer it in a way that doesn't make her suspicious or upset, but in the other way, makes her realise that this isn't something that she will ever have to do or ever has to deal with, and it's a, it's a, it's a delicate uh, thing to tread. It is tough. It's, it, I'm, I imagine it's like just a, quick, a case of saying, oh, gosh, how do you even begin explaining culture? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's where you begin. It's like, well, there's this universe, you see. Let's talk about <laughs> So, what I, I mean, what we just say is that um, some, some little girls and, and their mummies and daddies like, like dressing like that and they think it, it's nice, but uh, mm. other, other, we, we don't do that sort of thing. But, you know... And that's about it. It doesn't make it, oh, no. in, and I presume just emphasize it doesn't make any difference to the girl wearing well, the clothes. She's well, exactly, and she and to I, be your friend, and she yeah, has. well, exactly, and and of course she she she's perfectly happy to be friends with with all with with all the uh, all shapes, sizes, and colors of kids there, except the ginger ones, of course, which she rightly shuns. Oh, so I really want that to be done. I mean, when I was growing up, it was Irish jokes were still the allowable target for some reason so in the 80s in schooling it was irish jokes and you better buy books of englishmen irishmen and scotsmen jokes say scotchmen properly uh, well, sadly they weren't it wasn't spelled that way and it would just be jokes about where three people in a situation and one of them was stupid and, and one of them was drunk and it's strange well no it wasn't that it was just the irishman was the target so the scotchman was fine scotchman was fine englishman was fine um, it would just be the Irishman would do... Basically, it's two, me- two men and a stupid person was the joke structure. And that was normal in... The, that was just normal in the 80s. And now it seems that that's finally gone as a lazy and, and silly way to structure a joke. But we're still left with the ginger thing, which is just infuriating. Yeah, but I thought that the point was that we are supposed to get rid of the ginger gene completely so that we don't have to be inflicted by it anymore. But then we wouldn't have Amy Pond... Oh yeah, have you been watching the new? Oh my goodness! I watched. I had. I watched two episodes last night because I want to watch Doctor Who because it's Doctor Who. Uh But I, 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 so I keep punishing myself by watching this rubbish year after year and getting increasingly demoralised and angry with it for not being what it should be. And yet I just keep watching. So last night I realised I've only seen the first two of the series and they're on episode six already. Wow. So I watched a couple more, and one of them it was called it was called Robot of Sherwood, uh-huh. and it was about uh, new Amy Pond, whatever her name is, wanted yeah. to go and meet Robin Hood, and and the Doctor pointed out that he's not real, 
Uh-huh. And she said, I don't care, I want to meet him anyway. So they go back to prove that he's not real. And guess what? He's real. Uh... But it turns out that he's not... He might not be real because the Sherwood of For- the Sherwood sorry the sheriff of Nottingham has got an evil robot army in the what in the 16th century in the 11th century 12th oh, 11th, century 11 10, okay. something oh no 12th century I've gone mad yeah 12th century so um, uh, yeah the sheriff is is plundering gold from all the people in order to power their spaceship mm-hmm. but it's unclear as to who's a robot and who's not and the doctor's really angry that that the Merry Men and, and Robin Hood seem to be real and is convinced he'll prove they're fake in some way. And by the end, he just has to admit that Robin Hood was a real person who became a legend. And there's all the comparisons with how it's just like him, another person of noble descent who abandoned his riches in order to help the needy, just like mm. the doctor. But it's just so... It was written by Mark Gatiss, who should know better, because... Robin Hood didn't steal from the rich and give to the poor until they rewrote it for Henry VIII. Oh, really? I mean, yeah. I didn't realise that. Whom, from whom did he steal before? Just everybody, I he just He was just a bandit. But a Henry bad. VIII expressed his, his pleasure at the idea of this being some sort of folk hero. And so they rewrote the myth in his, uh, for him. And it was only from Henry VIII onward that he was anything like the form that we know him as now. Well, well, Henry VIII wasn't exactly a betoken of 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 proto socialism. No, it was. It's odd. It's worth reading into. I suppose in a kind of patronising sort of way, he probably uh, it appealed to him as long as it didn't actually affect him. Like a bit like the people who go on the stop the war marches today, (laughs) um, who then have a latte in Starbucks. Exactly. He's Mm. um, but no, it's worth looking into. Mike Bithell, who is a games developer who made the game Thomas Was Alone, is making a game called uh, Volume, which is all about. He's, he's he's really interested in the, sh- in the in the whole Robin Hood myth and how it came to change and all this sort of stuff. It's worth looking mm. into his research. It's quite interesting. Well, I suppose so because it's interesting how Robin Hood is still such a potent figure today. Yes, exactly. And so and so Doctor Doctor Who made that even worse. And then the next episode I saw was something about it was almost good, which is probably more frustrating. Yeah, it was it was trying to explore the idea of things under your bed and the breath on the back of your neck. And what if that is a thing? There are creatures that just follow us around that explain all those un those strange sensations. But isn't that the basis of Doctor Who's creepiness for the last 50 years? Well, it's, it's yeah, but it, it's really trying to go headfirst into exploring it. So they end up going to the very end of the universe, the final planet. And, you know, what is the what is left when there's only one human left alive? In it, that, that, and are these creatures? On the, and then it, but then it just gets even more peculiar and complicated as it starts to become about the doctor's own childhood fears and oh and then it starts trying to bring in elements from the end of the last series and the william hurt doctor oh it's just a giant mess it is a mess and i think people are confusing uh unnecessary complexity with uh with depth it needs some it just needs some gravitas that's all it needs it's so trivial and 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 it, I th- I don't know if it's trying to if it's trying to be a children's program. No, it's trying to be uh, it's trying to be a children's program that is adult. Yes, and that's not you don't you make make children's programs for children that entertain children and adult ones for adults that entertain adults. It's very you don't need much crossover. 
No, and, and a good children's programme will entertain adults exactly. anyway. Exactly. If it's good enough to entertain, if they've done a good enough job for children, then yes, adults will be able to take entertainment from that. And there are rare examples of where the two can be beautifully overlapped. I'd say the, yeah. the most recent example is the Lego movie, and then, and then the perennial example is Sesame Street. Yes. Um, but they are very rare, and they take the most talented of writers to achieve. Yes. Were you sad to see Joan Rivers' departure? Well, no, because she was in her 80s, so I'm, ha- I'm happy when... If anyone lives to 80 and dies... And she was predicting it every week herself anyway. <laughs> she's a funny one, Joan Rivers. She's, a, she's obviously... Uh, obviously, I don't know. I watched the, her series of The Celebrity Apprentice oh, right. um, in America, and she came across as a, an extraordinarily unpleasant individual. But that was her job. And she was. And the thing is, she was an extraordinarily unpleasant individual, but the person to whom she was most extraordinarily bitchy and unpleasant was herself. So yeah, that absolutely. Kind of, that, that kind of works when you are. When the depth of your hatred comes out of self hatred, it kind of is. It, it works as, in a forgivable way. Whereas if she were merely egotistical, a bit like. In other words, if she were like Alan Sugar, that would. That's yeah. kind of worse. So it's interesting, her, her on, on Celebrity Apprentice, obviously, where you've got Donald Trump, who's, who's far worse Ugh. even than Alan Sugar. Um, but she genuinely, she, she, the, she stopped being funny and started just being a bit of an asshole, which, mm. was, which was a shame. Because, I mean, I recognise her, the, the role she has had in comedy and, um, and yeah, and, and she is an incredibly funny woman. I was watching some of the old interviews with her, uh, you know, on YouTube and various talk shows and so on, and... And the speed with which she comes back with uh, yeah. with gags and then subverts them and so on is is extraordinary. I mean, I've I've not seen anyone do get away with it to the degree that she did. And at the time, it must have been absolutely unbelievable to a to see a woman do it and b to see anybody do it with that sort of breathtaking cheek beyond the normal slightly nudge nudgy self deprecation was 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 amazing and i can only imagine the effect that she had at, at the time and leading on to people like sarah silverman and mm-hmm. various other jewesses did you see her hear about her spat with johnny carson i heard that johnny carson refused to speak to her because she dared to get her own series or something well, he, she, she was his preferred stand-in on his show so when he yeah. was away he would bring her in to present then she got offered her own chat show up against him and of course took it because you know why wouldn't you yes. and for some reason for Carson couldn't cope with this he became livid she was permanently banned from his show because her show failed after just a few episodes yeah. she was permanently banned from his show and he refused ever to speak to her again yeah and then worst of all the quizzling human bucket that is Jay Leno yes. continued the grudge and refused to have her on the tonight show when he ran it for the next 400 years can you explain to me, please, the appeal of Jay Leno? And let no. me let no let me be precise about what I what I mean by that. Look, there are plenty of figures whom we don't appreciate and just don't press our buttons, but we can see they are consumer professionals and we can see why they do mm-hmm. the job well. So I don't actually particularly like Letterman. I think his shtick no. is quite bald, but I can see how he got there and why he works. Similarly, the traditional figures. Um, uh, like Carson, I can see how they worked in their time, and Phil Donnie and all those people. I I know how they slotted in and why they worked. Uh, Leno, what the hell? It's the Leno mystery is an odd one. He's hated, venomously hated by comedians, and he's a hateful figure from what I can tell. But that even that shouldn't matter. The fact is, when he's on stage and he's got that squeaky, wheezy, 
unfunny, mm-hmm. unengaging persona. What is it? Does he have a secret about some executive <laughs> at, a, at a network that he keeps in a drawer? What genuinely is there a theory that you well, have? No, because the reality was he was there because of ratings. He pulled. He always, always beat Letterman. Is it because he's a, a chubby everyman that people like? I, I don't I, know. I don't get it. I just he's he's just seemed like the worst. I remember obviously the Bill Hicks routine about him says everything anyone ever needs to say about Jay Leno. Really? What did he? I don't remember that one. Oh, okay. So he just talks about how um, without the naughty words, he talks about how Leno uh, was. He, Leno used to be a, a stand-up, and he used to be one of the comedians on the circuit, and how he pretty much seemed to just sell out. But then, and now he's like, he just talks about the fact that Leno used to be this comedian who meant something, who stood up, apparently would like fight against stuff. And now he's just sits there interviewing and he uses the example of, um, oh, I forget his name, Joey from Blossom, Joey Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. his name. It's like mm. he's interviewing Joey Lawrence, sitting there going, so, so you're driving, you're driving, Joey, you got your driver's license, Joey. And he says that one day there's just going to be Leno with a machine gun in his mouth blowing his brains out live on air with his brains now, yes. splatting against the wall in the shape of the NBC peacock. Yes. Which well, is it's, nice it's, it's a pity. And didn't Leno, he, he resigned or was pushed out and then he had to come back again to res- rescue the ratings or no, something? No, no. What happened was he, they wanted him gone. They were desperate to get rid of him and they wanted to give his job to Conan O'Brien. Yeah, I remember that. And what do you think of Conan O'Brien? I don't find Conan O'Brien particularly funny, which I always find out because I find him enormously amenable. He's just seems, sorry, amiable, I mean. Yes, um, and I will agree with you on that. And that's why I can, I can get Conan O'Brien in a way that I can't get Jay Leno. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't really, I don't really enjoy, I, I find there's something, the whole format, the whole talk show format of, has never worked for me. It's, apart from, funnily enough, apart from Craig Ferguson, who sadly is stopping now, no, but also shows. I think every yeah, but the, the problem with the format for me is a it's too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should be in, you should be asleep by then. It's bad for your circadian rhythms. <laughs> and b, it's the oh we're going to be interrupted every one and a half minutes by adverts. It's just it, it it just can't work. It's 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 frenetic and awful and um, tiring for my. To, yeah, to I agree. T- tiring is a good word to describe it. Mm. There's something really str- Craig Ferguson's show is so ludicrous. Mm. Um, the puppet dancing, the fact that he has a, is now co-hosted by a skeleton. Yeah, um, it's just like he just took the format and is and, and made, had a lot of fun with it. It's, I think it's worth pointing out Jimmy Fallon, who's taken over the Tonight Show now. He um, had Joan Rivers on the very first episode. Oh, that's very which good. was a good statement. Oh, that's interesting. I'd never heard of Craig Ferguson mm-hmm. until after um, Robin Williams's uh, demise. Oh, really? I, I I looked at one of the last interviews that had been had with him, and it was on Craig Ferguson's show. Oh, right. And he kind of just let Williams get on with it. So well, that's the thing. So the one of the gimmicks that Craig Ferguson had was at the beginning of every interview, he'd pick up the question cards, rip them in half, and throw them away. Mm. And it's and and so yeah, that was that was a really crucial part because, of course, the worst thing about. Uh, late night talk shows is the right. rehearsed conversations yeah the larry sandersy sort of nonsense exactly yeah. so they and that's what they do that's what leno letterman uh even fallon um even um uh jimmy kimmel they all do it where they just I don't say, understand why because so I mean, have you had a... if, we can, if we can chat for 172 episodes i don't know why they can't exactly exactly so they'll say they'll say uh so uh anything funny happened to you with a fire hydrant recently and yes. it's like just not a natural question and the celebrity goes oh yeah that's funny funny there's this thing and then they tell their anecdote which you've heard which you'd heard on the previous uh yeah <laughs> talk show the two two weeks before yeah whereas craig ferguson would just 
you had to be a good guest to work on that show because to, 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 for it to work because he would just come on and just ask them genuine questions and just chat to them and maybe talk about the thing. Like there was one, I remember saw one episode of Craig Ferguson where he was just furious with uh, ABC because this, the studio was leaking in the rain. <laughs> and he was, and it, it, he makes lots of jokes about how cheap the show was because, you know, it was made for very little budget. Yeah. Um, but he he was genuinely furious in this episode. And the monologue was abandoned for him to just rant about how crap it was. And then he just wouldn't stop talking to the guests about it. And a good guest copes really well with that. And it just becomes what the show is. Oh. And so he never allows them to go off into their anecdotes. And if they try, he'll interrupt them and divert them. And good. Such a shame he's stopping. It's such a shame he didn't get Letterman's show. That's Why is he I was... stopping? Um, I, don't, I don't know the truth. He's... I I think it was assumed that he was going to get Letterman's slot because the both shows were uh, made by Letterman's um, Worldwide Pants uh, production company. Mm-hmm. So kind of Letterman is Ferguson's boss. And I think it was assumed that Ferguson would get put in the Letterman slot when Letterman retired. And that's not happening. So I don't no. know whether he's quitting because he didn't get it. Or, but although I've heard that that's not the case and that he didn't want it, I have no idea. It's interesting. Well, why don't we become a chat show host? <laughs> that would be great. We could do our hilarious top ten lists and then throw to the man with a funny accent in the shop next door. As long as we have a little band that goes, and we can banter with the band. That's true. Oh, my goodness. Is there any worse human alive right now than Paul Schaefer? Is he, is he the band banterer? The band banterer for the Letterman, sh- Letterman show. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's really pathetic, isn't it? It just has nothing funny or worthwhile to say, and yet somehow incessantly speaks through every episode. There was an interesting article actually on the BBC News website about how um, these late night talk shows are a staple of American television. And yet in the UK, however many times they try to push them to take off, they always fail. It's mm. Culturally, it just doesn't work here at all. And I'm, I hope it's because people are basically in bed. Well, it's, 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 I don't know what it, what it is. So you've got, I remember when Channel 5 launched, they launched with the, the, the four nightly Jack, Jack Doherty. Yes. And it was really good. Was it? Yeah, it really was. It was written by, Jack Doherty was hosting it, but it was basically absolutely the, uh, the 90s uh, comedy yeah. troupe who were doing this chat show. But Jack Doherty was the public face of it. But all the rest, Pete, uh, I've forgotten all their names now, Maury Hunter, Pete Thingy, all the, all the uh, Moena Banks. Though I th- I was, maybe one well, Moena Banks wasn't on it, but the rest of absolutely were writing behind the scenes. And so it had, and they're brilliantly funny people. And so the show was really good and really funny. But again, it couldn't be, it just didn't sustain. I think it lasted a good six months or so. Yeah. Um, what else? They, tr- they tried, they did a week of Letterman over here once in the 90s, I remember. Yes, that didn't really work. It didn't work at all. No. And then obviously, but then the much more austere and calm, like Wogan. Wogan ran for 150 years. And that yes, but that was at, that was at about 6.30pm. Yeah, it was well, seven, 7 o'clock, I think. But yeah. Yeah, that and, and of course Parky and all that, but that's that's uh, very but different. That's the weekly it's the late format. nightness of it. It was Wogan is amazing because it was on three times a week, so it was amazing that that worked, even though it was just you know the congenial Terry Wogan interviewing celebrities about the latest film or book. Yes, but I think that I think it's quite nice. I'm surprised that sort of thing isn't on now. Well, Jonathan Ross is still going and obviously very popular, mm. but even though I quite like Jonathan Ross, I find that program very tedious. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. It, it's true, actually. I think that there's something about that program that should work, but doesn't. I think it's. Yeah. I don't know. I just not. It's just. It's too. It's. Uh, I can't be bothered to think about it. No. And exactly. That's the problem. There you go. 
I would like to recommend a TV programme. Oh my goodness, you haven't done this in 22 years. I know. The Leftovers. That's an uninspiring title. It's a terrible title. You can watch all ten episodes on HBO Go uh, right now. Don't have HBO Go because I'm not in America well, and can, I don't have an HBO subscription. You can easily uh, gain one. Um, right. And I believe it's being shown in the UK somewhere or other. Okay, The Leftovers. What's it about, John? So it, the concept sounds terrible as well, which is... I didn't watch it for the longest time because of that. It's... Uh, you've got 2% of the Earth's population disappears. Oh that's not a very good uh, staff, but okay. No, I know. 2% of the Earth's population vanish. They just disappear. Bing! Babies, ba- uh, adults, mums, dads, children, whatever. They just vanish. Into a Microsoft search engine. Indeed. Okay. And three, the show then starts three years after this. Okay. So it's coming up to the third anniversary of the disappearance. Okay. Or however, people call, call it different things. And it's, it's about a town near New York and how people just still aren't coping. Right. Because if 2% of people disappear... Mo- I suppose you know, it's, it's, it's more interesting that, uh, in a way than the usual 90% of yeah. the... Uh, and we're post-apocalyptic. 2% is yeah, it's interesting. Exactly. And, so, and it, the reason it works is because it's a, it's a show about how people can't deal with that having happened. It's a show about uh, the, the way it causes huge implications on society. So the very first episode, just in the background, the C-SPAN is on TVs in the background of scenes, and you hear... Uh, the reports being given in by various scientific and, and uh, theological bodies of, you know, right. the, the, the government sanctioned the reports, what happened? And the conclusion is, we don't know. And so there's no closure. And various cults have formed. Um, cults are much more popular than they, were, than they are now as a consequence yes, of, 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 of what happened. And, um, and the programme is just about this. It's, it's about a huge town. The cast is enormous, but maybe the, probably the main character is this cop who is a very broken and sad man um, trying to keep the town together despite the infl- impact of the various cult leaders. And Christopher Eccleston plays a vicar who's a bit a bit daft, but really interesting character, really one of my favourite characters in a long time because he's so broken and so flawed, but actually desperately trying to do the right thing. And then a huge array, a massive array of, of cast. And it's, and it, and what, it's my, apparently, I've never watched Lost, but the guy who made Lost is involved in it. All right. And there okay. are some really, what's really nice is despite the fact that it's playing it quite straight, there are these extremely odd things. Like there is a deer that keeps breaking into people's houses and smashing rooms up. Good. Um, which feels very like a so it feels like a thing that should have happened in Northern Exposure. It's a really or lovely neighbors. oddity. Um, or neighbours. Sorry. Or neighbours. Yes, or neighbours. And there's a man called Wayne who, when he hugs people, they seem to lose all their troubles. And that that idea is brilliantly explored over the ten episodes. Okay. Oh, it's really good. The writing is superb, and it's just oh, it's brutal. We watch Laura and I punish ourselves by watching Under the Dome. Right. Oh, yes. You've you've mentioned that many times. Yes, yeah, which is the worst TV program of all time. I um, watched the first episode of that on an aeroplane yes. um, when I was coming back from America uh, after your D recommendation. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed the the boyfriend who becomes a nasty little rapist man. Uh, I enjoyed his subtle character and various other ones, but it was st- it was still quite compelling because it was so awful. Yes. yes, exactly. And you get in the first episode, and indeed in the opening sequence of every episode since, you get to see that cow being chopped in half when the dome comes down. They're very proud of that. I knew they were. They, they show it. They've shown it twenty six times now. <laughs> God, yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so brilliantly, wonderfully awful. 
So, so that's your that's your pudding for your uh, what's it called again? The, the other leftovers. Thing? The leftovers. The leftovers. So you would great. recommend that? Okay, I'll recommend a book. Shall I? Yes. It's a fiction book. It's called The Girl with All the Gifts uh-huh. by M. R. Carey, and it takes the z- zombie genre into a, an interesting realm. I'll say no more than that. And I think I think you quite enjoy it. Oh, good. Say no more than that. You're not going to let that's your recommendation to the name of the book. Yeah, go and read The Girl with All the Gifts okay. and let me know whether you think it's it's interesting. I'm thoroughly enjoying The Name of the Wind at the moment. By the Patrick, Name of the Wind. By Patrick Art. Rothfuss. Flatulence. It's slightly more complicated than that. What's it about? Is it, oh, it's a Christian book. It's, yeah. not, it's not a Christian book. I thought it was riffing on Ruach, you know. The no, sorry, and... yeah, the Holy Spirit. No, sadly yeah. not. Uh, no, this is a book about, it's a fantasy, it's a book about um, a guy telling his life story, his extraordinary life story to a scribe, as he explains everything from the char- his childhood in the sort of travelling circus troupe, having the entire troupe but him wiped out by a mythical monster that no one else thinks exists, and his desperate, his desperate attempts to try to learn the truth about them by joining the academy and using his genius. Right. It's really good! It's good. It's nice to have it. I like. I really like stories about arrogantly intelligent people. Fair enough. That's why I like. I love The Mentalist and um, and and shows like that where it's just about someone who knows how brilliantly smart they are and right. succeeds because of it. Well, fair enough. Uh, and and succeeds, or is it a morality tale as well? No, no. Well, so far it's not. Okay, well, that's Elementary is another good example of a, you know, that's a really lovely Sherlock Holmes show. We are meaning to start that after your recommendation, and about a year later we still haven't. Should we take the plunge and watch? I don't know. I have, uh, I, think you'll, I think you'll see the flaws too clearly, but I really enjoy it. It's, I, I it's assume that Mark, Mark Gatiss's one is better. It's 450,000 times better than, than Sherlock. Really? We like Sherlock. Well, then you're insane, because it's bloody awful. I thought it was even the last three. I thought it was stylistically fine. Oh, it was was ghastly, absolutely horrendous. A romp. (laughs) A romp. No, you're wrong. It was a rump. It was the worst. How's Laura enjoying being at home? She's only been doing it for less than a week, And? and she's been spending the whole time writing her dissertation for her masters. When does that get finished? I believe this Wednesday. Oh, that'll be exciting. You're going to buy her a chocolate? No. She has a presentation tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then ho- she's hoping Wednesday to be able to hand, make any final changes and then hand the whole down, get the ho- send the whole thing off to be printed, at least. Have you uh, proofread it? Yes, I have. Uh, have you been useful with the blue pencil? Uh, I have, actually, yes. Basically, she, she was, uh, I, she's a, a lot of words over, so I was just going through seeing, suggesting yeah. things that maybe... Yeah. It's really hard for me, because obviously the whole subject is, is, is beyond me. Mm. And um, the, but and you also, should be able to tell where there's been redundancy already. Exactly. So that's why I was just going through looking for redundancy. That's pretty much what my role. Who's a better first draft writer, Laura or Kieran Gillen? <laughs> for a subber, who would you who would you prefer to inflict a subber on? <laughs> Laura, obviously. Yeah. yeah, Kieran Gillen's like a, a special utility to test a subber. Right, we're just going to give you the Gillen test. Right, you've passed. You can join. 
it's a tough one to answer really but in terms of like Kieran a first pass on Kieran's writing depending on how, how the mood he was in when he wrote it can Not be sure. really hard work because it's he, he's, all over the place he's well yeah he thinks faster than he can write and, and that comes mm. through yeah um but in terms of the creative output, the the joy that comes of the success of his writing, you know, there's no one better than Kieran. So mm. it's always a tough one that like, yeah, his his, his first drafts are, are rough, but mm. they're alive with ideas like no one else I know. So they're bubbling like fermenting sauerkraut. <laughs> That's exactly the term I was thinking. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. So um, it, it's quite soon now quite soon really four weeks and then and then there'll be no more podcasts that's it that'll be done i'll be too busy we'll have to come and visit you uh at some stage to smother the baby don't smother my baby took ages to make it (laughs) it took ages in the oven so long it takes forever and then when they come out they're not ready yet either that's the annoying thing they don't come out and do a tap dance if they came out if when the baby's born poor hollywood poked it he'd say oh it's still completely raw in the middle yes um there was something very important that I need to ask you, but I'll probably wait till the end of the podcast. So the podcast is not for important things. Oh, really? Okay. It's only for trivial things. Trivial gibberish. We need to get um, Judge Coxcomb on. To judge po- the, whether the baby's good enough. Yes, exactly. Uh, Solomon. I'd love to see Martin wielding a baby, a baby cutting saw. That'll be a, a fun image. <laughs> <laughs> Do yeah. they make those still? Can you still buy baby cutting swords? I think you actually get them in Toys R Us. Oh, okay. Well, but you need to go to the Babies R Us concession. You know, there's the Babies R Us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. part of Toys R Us. And you, you get them there, yeah. There's a big Babies R Us right near us. Have you been spending Not a lot yet. of time we're going there? To, we're going to go and look for cots. You don't need a cot. You do eventually. No, you don't, actually. We thought we did. And what we did is we had a bed, and then we got her a bed, and that was the end of it. And the cot just got in the way, and the cat lives in it <laughs> how's lucy uh she's fine she's very she's it's interesting how she's completely following dexter's patterns yeah. so she began as you know a cute but but evil but, but evil and very fiercely independent kitten yes but she would at the end of her at the end of a fierce bout of independence then come and curl up between your legs on the sofa yeah um, and then instantly just abandon that. Nope, she won't sit, she won't curl up with us, she won't cuddle us. She needs You're to be in the same room people. as us at all times. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, when we're indoors. But uh, she, So she's, she discovered that our canvas wardrobe makes a hammock, so she sleeps in the hammock on, oh, the, on nice. the top of the wardrobe at night time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there, there's the, she's, she's very much of a kind of standoffish. And with Dexter, it took until he was about four before he would start sitting on laps again. Yeah, she's going through her awkward uh, adolescent. Her teenage phase, yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens when all hell breaks loose and another kitten is introduced into That's your house. true. It, it's going to be it's going to be interesting because I, the, the, I am told that cats tend to be ab- utterly terrified of newborn babies. They, they, they are terrified or dismissive. They will just stay far away from yeah. them. They stay as far away from them as they can. Certainly, um, my my brother and sister in law's um, cat just avoids the baby and mm-hmm. avoids her like the plague from day one. But I'm also told that they find anywhere that's comfy for a baby to sleep, cats find incredibly comfy to sleep too. So you often have to throw the cat out to be able to put the baby down. Well, in the end, um, they got this little crib thing that uh, that 
kind of sides onto their bed. Mm-hmm. We, call, we called it the shelf. We are hiring one of those, apparently. Yes, they hired one of those as well. Of yeah. course, the baby refused to spend a second. As soon as they moved the baby into there, it had like a little motion detector and would <laughs> immediately wake up and start screaming. So that just became the cat's bed. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so, so I suspect Lucy will have a nice new bed. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> right, we have to stop. It's 43 minutes. It is. Okay, you know how to be a daddy now. If it comes by next week, let me know and I'll uh, I'll get Martin to prime his sword. Okay, brilliant. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.